Thanks for listening to the Frontline Audiocast, the enhanced audio version of our television documentaries. But we wanted to take a moment to remind you about Frontline's other feed, a podcast that produces original documentaries made for listening. It's called The Frontline Dispatch, and you can find it by searching Frontline Dispatch in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. But back to the Frontline Audiocast. Here is the Audiocast for Marcos Doesn't Live Here Anymore, broadcast April 15th on PBS. Tonight, a special presentation from Frontline, Independent Lens, and Vosis. I love my country. I put my life on the line. My country won't let my husband live here. Marcos! Yeah. It's difficult to live without my family. He is missing their entire life. Pelé, we will be together, Pelé. <laughs> you have done everything. I refuse to say that because he's not here. He's going to be with you and the babies. You can't cross. I don't want to take that chance. The time is killing me. How many hoops do you have to jump through for your family to be together? You want me to move there, right? I'm not talking about the babies. I'm talking about us. Ah! I love you, Elizabeth. I love you, Marcos. Tonight, Marcos doesn't live here anymore. Major support for Frontline, ITVS, and Latino Public Broadcasting is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you. Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. The Heising Simons Foundation, unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler. Major support for Frontline is provided by the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. And for this program, by its Just Films initiative. Staff Sergeant Elizabeth Perez, United States Marine Corps, please come to the front. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. As a member of the Lake County Marine Veterans Honor Guard, I present you with these national colors for the city of East Cleveland to fly at City Hall. East Cleveland takes great pride in accepting this flag. This flag from you is super special because we here at East Cleveland know the plight of your journey. This flag represents freedom. East Cleveland is honored to accept this flag for everything that you represent and who you represent. I thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Um, the residents of East Cleveland are very, very, very uh, grateful for your service to the United States uh, Marine Corps. I'd also like to acknowledge Ms. Veronica Dahlberg, who is the executive director of the uh, Spanish organization and has chosen to partner with you, uh, Sergeant, as a means to help in your efforts. This is an unfortunate situation that led to the deportation of her husband. I, as an individual and a, and a citizen of the United States, do support your efforts in regaining your husband's uh, citizenship to the United States. Thank you, sir. Veronica Dahlberg. I can say some words here, too. Thank you so much for having us today. And the 
gift of the flag was really just a gesture of friendship and goodwill. However, I didn't want to leave without asking, since you want to help Elizabeth, because we have not been able to get any help for her case. For five long years, she's been separated from her husband, who was deported in 2010. And she needs her family to be together. And it just seems like we keep hitting closed doors everywhere. And I think it would be helpful if we could get a resolution or a letter from the city council in support of Elizabeth's case, and we could give it to our senators and our members of Congress, saying that the city of East Cleveland supports the reunification of her family as a Marine veteran who served 10 years. She deserves that they cut through the bureaucratic tape and reunite her family. So we're hoping that you can help us with the resolution. Thank you for your time. We will talk to our law director and get back to you as soon as possible. Okay, thank you. Okay, you guys ready to call daddy? Yeah. <laughs> Marcos. Yeah. Daddy. Hello, guys. Hey, can you hear us? Yeah. Hi. Who's that? Where's my bed? Is it at your house? Yeah, I'm at my house. Do you want to come to my house? Yeah. Yeah, you can come. Can I go to daddy's house, Mom? Yeah, we'll go later, honey. You want to go to daddy's house. That was nice. Okay. You guys want to say your prayers with daddy? Yes. Are you ready, ready, Marcos? Yeah. Ready? ready? Play. Ready, Pelé? The father, the baby, the son, the husband, and the baby. Okay, Pelay, you ready? Come on, let's go. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear Jesus, thank you for my family, thank you for my friends, and I love you, Jesus, Amen. Daddy, are you going to sleep for a little bit? Yeah. I think you woke up. Bye, 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 Right, left, left, right, had a low right, had a left, right, low right, right, left, left, right, right, left. Hello, Leopold and Associates. Hi, sir. Actually, Attorney Leopold is in a meeting right now. I can go ahead and take your name and number, and I'll make sure he gets your message. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm good. And you? Yeah, good. So you had no trouble finding us today? No. Got good. here pretty good. Thanks. Good. It's good to see you. You too. David Leopold is an immigration attorney. Remind me, if you would, um, of your, your experience in the U.S. Marines. When, when you got in and, and, and uh, what you did there and, and when you left the Marines. Um, first, I joined the Ohio Army National Guard before the Marine Corps, and that was in 1999. Mm -hmm. We went to Afghanistan in 2003, January. So it was right at the same week when, um, actually, the day we got on the plane to go to Afghanistan was the day former President Bush was on TV giving Saddam Hussein the 48 hours. And then I joined the Marine Corps. 
and I was in there for five years. Mm -hmm. I love my country. I literally, literally put my life on the line. I mean, I was scared a couple of times about things that could happen. Yeah. It's not fair. My country won't let my husband live here. Okay. So at some point, you leave the Marines, you get back here. Tell me how you met Marco. I met him when I was in California. Um, I actually met him walking down the street. <laughs> and um, yeah, we just hit it off right away. I mean, ever since the day I met him, we spent every single day together. Marcos Perez. What I love about Elizabeth right away, instantly I get interested in uh, having a relationship with her. Uh, I never meet somebody like, like, like here, like so human. And um, she's not really materialistic. And uh, when I'm in Mexico, I never meet my dad. I, uh, I, I, I don't live really much with my, with my mom. So when I meet her, she totally become right away like my family. That's what I love here for that. So at the time that Marco get, gets picked up by immigration, you already knew there was a problem with his status. You'd been to a lawyer, mm -hmm. hoping to start the process. Yeah. How does it happen that he got picked up? What happened? Um, he was running through a yellow light, and the police called me on my cell phone. They couldn't identify him, and they're asking me who he was. And then the police told me, well, we can just call ICE, and uh, ICE can verify who he is. And I said, and I was really respectful. I was like, no, sir, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And right when I said that, right after I said that, my phone, I don't know why my phone died. My phone died, like it just shut off, and I couldn't call back. They were holding him on a traffic violation. Yeah. The lawyer you talked to told you not to pay that bail. That would give him, to get him out on a tra traffic violation, because if you did that, then ICE would come and take him. Immigration and Customs Enforcement would come and take him. Yes. So you were not to pay the bail so that it was held by the state authorities. Yes. All right. And what happens next? Um, after he spent his 14 days in Mayfield Heights, they turned him over to immigration. And then he just called me one day from his cell phone number. And I was like, wow, you know, how am I getting a phone call from him? And they had just dropped him at the border and he was gonna lose reception once he crossed the bridge or something. Did you call the lawyer when, when uh, Marcos was finally deported? Yeah, I told him. And what'd the lawyer say? He told me, uh, well, we'll just have to file the visa paperwork from there in Mexico. There's a law called the permanent bar. That means that if somebody enters the United States and then they're deported and then they come back and then they're deported again or they leave again, um, they're barred, what's called permanently. So really, you don't have any relief at all. You can't get him back here for a minimum of 10 years. He wants to cross the border and come back now, even today. I mean, he talked to me about it like every week. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, well, that's good that you're telling him that. But because... at the same time, it's like my kids, like just the other day, the older one actually told me that, um, <laughs> Sorry. Gina Kleenex? No, I'm good. He told me, uh, we're going through pictures, and there were pictures when we were in Mexico, and he told me, Mommy, can we go there to Daddy's house and stay and not come back here? And I was like, what? He's so, like, you know, they, they know what's going on. You know, they're not stupid. They, before they're babies and they're infants, now they're getting older and they're starting to, look, understand things, and it's really hard for me. Yeah.
especially like when I look at them and I know like how much I miss them, even if they're at school and think how bad he is missing their entire life. And it's really hard. It makes me really mad because I have to move if I want to be with my family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So technically it's like an exile. I have to leave and find another country to live because my husband can't live here. And I just can't wrap my head around that. Nothing's impossible. He had some brushes with the law. Yeah. Uh, he got convicted of possession of stolen property and battery. I wasn't there and I didn't know him at the time. I'm not condoning anything as far as anyone hitting a woman. And he kicked her in the leg and she called the police. Okay. I'm not questioning whether he's a good man or, or a bad man. I know if he's married to you, my, my view is he's got to be a good guy. But people yeah. make mistakes in life and Marcos made some. So we're going to have to show absolute rehabilitation. Well, he also has because these are in 2001. So this is 13 years ago. So he had nothing. So that's actually some good news. It's in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pile of bad news. I mean, that's where the hope is. There is some hope here. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate good it. It was good you, seeing you. Thank you so much. All right. Be good. We'll be in touch. At a migrant workers' march in North Carolina. I've done a lot of public speaking and I feel pretty comfortable. I mean, when I was in the Marine Corps, I could talk in front of people all the time. I've been continuing to do a lot of advocacy work with OLA for undocumented workers. And I've been asked to speak at this event. We want justice! We want justice! We, we, we don't want welfare, we don't want food stamps. We want a fair day's pay for a fair day of work. That's all we want. Activist Baldemar Velasquez. And we want to be treated with dignity. We want to be treated like men and women that we are to recognize our humanity, not treat us like dogs that die under the trees. We shall keep walking justice together until we realize on earth as it is in heaven. Hasta la victoria. Street. This is just awesome. Yeah. The people on the bus that I came with, they understand injustices as well. Many of them, their families have been ripped apart and they have lost loved ones, but they are so strong and they are here today. I also have had some suffering, but it's very embarrassing for me to talk about that in front of this group of people that has endured a lot of suffering also. I'm a veteran of both the Ohio Army National Guard and the United States Marine Corps. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Semper Fidelis is the Marine Corps motto, always faithful. Those aren't just words, that's a life standard. Yeah, yeah. My husband Marcos was stopped in 2010. He was an undocumented worker. He was scooped up and thrown away like trash. Mm. He is not trash. Everyone here is a man and a woman, and you deserve to be treated as a man and a woman and nothing else. Yeah. These injustices are just too great. From here in the fields in North Carolina, all across the United States where families are being shredded apart. And what are our elected officials doing? Nothing. nothing. The only thing I see is injustices and families separated and people working in horrible, horrible, wretched, 
work conditioning, and that is not satisfactory. No, no. For 10 years, I dedicated my life to this country. I absolutely love this country. It's in command. I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. This is the means to resist, and we have the means to resist right here. Yeah. This is what we're doing. So let's just take a moment of silence and recognize some real heroes, the people who have separated from their families or really work hard for their families. OK, thanks. She worked on that lawn. She cleaned up six floors. Her working day is now beginning. He worked all day long. He picked up the crops. His swollen fingers are still bleeding. They work in the offices and serve in the restaurants. His hands keep lifting America. Some came from the south, some came from afar. Tell me who's the Native American? Did you forget the human? Don't you know we are the same? Did you forget you're my sister, my brother? Don't you feel we share your in Mexico City. I haven't been with my wife, Elizabeth, for two years. I don't see her, I don't see my, my kids, Belen, Rocky. It's been a hard time for me. We're in communication with Skype. It's not the same because we wanna touch, we wanna hug, we wanna feel. At least when you see them, you, you know they're okay. Getting back from the United States to Mexico, it was starting another life again. Even with my family, when I leave Mexico, I was a teenager. Different personalities, different ideas, different life. Now I, I'm different, I'm 43. And, um, and I feel like when I, I come back, uh, I feel like they forgot me. Or they don't, because they don't feel me, they don't really, 
have attachment with me and anything. We don't talk really close, nothing. And I feel like when somebody die, but now my younger brother and I become really good friends. My younger brother has been cutting my hair for five years. Hey, hi, brother. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Good. You want to cut my hair? He's really having a hard life because he cannot hear anything at all. You know, he's a gay person. His sexuality, especially here in Mexico, people hate him right away. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they kick him. And I always have to go and protect him, support him. A little bit more. He's my brother, and I really love my brother. Thank you. Kiss. <laughs> So just be careful. I see you. Come on, you go. Motivation, motivation. Mucho I always love soccer. In Mexico, I become to be a soccer referee. Sometimes it's dangerous to be a referee. If you don't have control in the game, sometimes you have problems with the players. And sometimes they get mad and they get out of control. And some referees, they get kicked. So you have to have a good control in the game. And now I'm better. I'm in the top referees in the league where I'm working. I like the adrenaline. I don't know why. At Elizabeth's house in Cleveland. Oh no, we are lost, said the people. And the priests and the sisters began praying. The pasta will cover our town, they cried. And it certainly would have had Strega Nona not come down the road home from her visit. Anthony. What's Big Anthony doing? Who's that? Oh, no. Hello. Okay. What are you doing? Uh-oh, it's Pops. What are you doing? Come on, come on here. Get, get, get here. <laughs> come on, guys. I'm going to take you upstairs. Yeah, let me turn this down. Oh, well. Elizabeth's father, John Wood. All right, you guys go upstairs. Okay. Don't break any mirrors. <laughs> What's up, Pops? Uh, the usual. Law. Wah, wah, wah. Lost two appeals. One one trial. So how's Marcos doing? Well as far yeah, so as far as Marcos' case is concerned, the lawyer basically told me everything was the same from before about how the chances are remote. And we have to wait pretty much 10 years, and it's still going to be hard at the 10-year point. What's happening with Canada? Well, 
nothing right now because I've got too much stress in my life to deal with looking for a job there when really I feel like this is going to work out. Yeah. So I really, I know they say don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I have all my eggs in this basket. Like, I feel like it's going to work. I just don't know when is the thing. So... Canada sounds good. How about Australia, have you? Yeah, but it's so easy to say that. It's yeah, so easy to be like, oh, yeah, good. move to Canada, move to Australia, where you don't know anyone, don't have a job, don't have a whole bunch of money. Like, oh, yeah, it's so simple. I, I only mention Australia because your sister's already looked it out. I looked into a, a lot of different countries for social work and what their requirements are and everything. And it's just, it's, it's literally like I can't mentally, I can't take it anymore. I had to stop. Okay. I had to stop. I just mentally was like not taking it. I couldn't so, deal. Are you looking for jobs in the U.S. now? No. Post grad? No. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm giving myself till April 15th because yeah. I don't know where we're going to be living or anything. And then another thing is, is I graduate in May. My GI Bill is done in May. That means yeah. I'm done. Yeah. So I have zero idea of what is happening because I don't know if we're going to Mexico. I don't know if I'm going to be looking for jobs in Canada. I don't know if I'm going to be looking for jobs here. I don't know if he's going to be here. I have no idea. So it's really hard to like plan anything, what I'm going to do, because I don't know yet. You've always had contingencies for everything. I mean, this is the first time you haven't had a contingency. Yeah. So what you're telling me is you're just too stressed to keep doing what you've been doing the past three years. Yep. I'm getting ready to graduate Cleveland State University Saturday, woohoo! And um, I actually feel really good about it because I had some major accomplishments while I was there. I was um, in the running for class, College of Liberal Arts and Social Sciences valedictorian. There was about 30 I think there was about 30 students, maybe a handful more, a handful less, but I didn't get it. But just the fact that, you know, I was in that pool of students is just awesome to me, especially since I didn't even graduate high school. And um, I did, um, the School of Social Work gave me the student um, Social Work Bachelor Field Student of the Year Award for 2014. But Marcos isn't gonna be here. He just knows what I tell him on the phone. He hasn't physically seen all the work I had to do. And so like, it's to me, it's like such a big accomplishment, but I mean, to him, it's a big accomplishment for me too, but just the fact he doesn't really know the whole scope of it. That's a little um, hard, because I wish he was there. Good afternoon. It's my sincere honor to welcome all of you to the commencement ceremony. I invite each graduate to reflect on those individuals whose support was essential on your journey to graduation. I ask the class of 2014 to stand and give a round of applause to those who helped you reach this moment. Yeah. Let me ask you to hold your applause 
as I talk about Elizabeth Perez. After earning her GED in 1998, Elizabeth Perez served our country for 10 years in the Ohio National Guard and as an active duty Marine. Her service was highly decorated, marked by her devoted volunteerism. In 2008, she enrolled at Cleveland State University to pursue a college education, and she graduates today with her bachelor's degree in social work. I note that throughout her time at Cleveland State, she has been the primary caregiver for her two young sons. Today, on Mother's Day, they watch their mom become a college graduate. Join me in thanking these veterans for their service and sacrifice to our country. Three months later, at the Fairmount Temple. Bruchim habayim, welcome everyone. Blessings to all of you who come here on Yom Kippur for our annual social action lecture. By a show of hands, how many of you immigrated to this country? Keep your hands up. How many of your parents immigrated to this country? Wow. Okay, I think just about every hand in the room is up. I knew that it was a Jewish issue, that it, that it was an issue that affected so many Americans and so many Jews. We are not far removed from immigration, even if we are not affected by the current immigration laws. I know that we are, as Jews, commanded in the Torah to love the stranger. But today's American immigration problem only made sense to me in terms of policy and numbers. I knew the 12 million people live in the shadows. I know that they don't have documentation. I know that our immigration system, therefore, is broken. I know that our border is a mess. I know we need more work visas. We need family reunification. So immigration reform is big. And today, we're going to hear from Elizabeth Perez. Her family is one of the millions affected in this country by our broken immigration laws. Elizabeth inspires me. I want to be like her. She fights for her family and is incredibly courageous. She's so courageous that she's never been to a synagogue before today, but was willing to come and speak to us. So I hope you'll join me in welcoming her. Thanks, Joy. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here on the most holy day, Yom Kippur. Um, I'm truly honored. Um, my name's Elizabeth, I'm your neighbor. I literally live five minutes down the street, right down Green Road in uh, Cleveland Heights. We don't have a huge undocumented immigrant population in Beechwood. So before I met my husband, I really wasn't aware of a lot of things, probably like a lot of other people in our neighborhood, in our community, aren't aware. Uh, to me, it was just a political problem. I didn't really understand the realities. I'm like, well, people can apply. Why don't they just apply like everybody else who comes here? That's what I thought. But not everybody can do that. Or I thought, well, if somebody's married and they have kids, they could stay here, so what's the big deal? But I was wrong about that, too. It's such an intricate system that there was a lot of things that I thought were real, but really aren't. So um, I got out of the Marine Corps, and I decided to start my new life in California. I had a sister there. I wasn't looking to meet anybody, anything like that, but that's when those types of things happen, when you're not looking for it. When you're looking for something, you can never find it. When you don't want it, it just opens the door and hits you in the face. Like, 
And that's what my husband did. He opened the door, hit me in my face, and was like, bam, I'm here. I fell over. I was like, oh, I love you. This is great. <laughs> and uh, when I became pregnant, like most women, I wanted to be around my mom and my sisters and my cousins who had kids. So I said to him, um, I want to go back to Cleveland, where my family is. So let's go back there to have the baby. And I knew his immigration status was he didn't have papers. But to me, it was just, from what I thought, growing up over here was, oh, we just get a lawyer, fill out some papers, give him some money, fill some more papers, give him more money. <laughs> It'll all work out. Unfortunately, I was totally dead wrong. Eventually, he got a job at a janitorial company. And uh, I started going to CSU to use my GI Bill. And we were just living life, you know, doing great stuff. And then I finally ended up having our son that January. And come that June, I was pregnant again. I told Marcos about it. He was really excited. I was excited. But I was also a little sick at that point. So I went and took a nap with the baby. He went to work. And then the phone rang. It was Mayfield Heights Police Department. And they said, we have this, this guy. Who is he? Where is he going? Where do you guys live? What's his social security number? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what his social is. I was like, oh, I don't know where it is. I can't find his wallet. And I realized right away they weren't going to let him out. That's the day that my home became a house. I had to look at all his stuff. I had to look at his toothbrush. I had to lay in the bed and smell his pillow and see his shoes at the door and his clothes. And I had the baby, and I was pregnant. And I'm like, what's going to happen? And then within a month, he was back in Mexico. So we packed our stuff, and we moved to Mexico City. I didn't last four months in Mexico City. We had no money. Our home didn't even have power. We didn't have a fridge for the put food for the kids or whatever. It slowly started less and less. And I wouldn't answer the door. I wouldn't answer the phone because I didn't want anyone to know I speak English because then I might be a target. So after two and a half years, Marcos finally had his visa interview. And we were so excited about it. And um, he was completely denied until 2020. Um, fortunately for me, I was introduced to David Leopold and Veronica Dahlberg. I really have hope now, and that's something so different, because I've seen what they can do. I've literally witnessed families being able to stay together and not be ripped apart because of the work that they're doing. Now I feel like my husband, Marcos, will be coming home soon. I don't know how, but I have total faith it's going to work. For me, it's not a question of when, it's a question of if. So I want to thank everybody for having me here and letting me share with you. And Gamar Hatima Tova to everybody. Attorney David Leopold. Okay, Marcos, so yeah. the fact that you have this record to deal with okay. make it extremely difficult to bring you back to the United States. Um, even though, even though these are misdemeanors. These are in 2001, so this is 13 years ago. Right. Yes. I want you to understand what we're, you know, how tough this is. I understand. Okay. The flip side of it is you do have a U.S. citizen wife. Yeah. You do have U.S. citizen children. And you do have a daughter in California. Yeah. Uh, you do have strong ties to the United States. Okay. But if you had law been lawfully admitted to the United States. Yes and we had this record to deal with, it wouldn't keep you necessarily from getting a green card. You may have to show hardship to your wife, but you could ask for that kind of dispensation. In other words, it isn't necessarily a deal killer, but you're out of the United States. 
And so we've got a few different problems that we've got to deal with. The first problem is, as you know, somebody who has been deported from the United States and re-enters the United States illegally is subject to a permanent bar. You can't apply to come back here for 10 years after your last departure. Okay. And even then, you'd have to apply for a waiver for the convictions. All right, any questions so far? No, I mean, no, I'm okay, but. Yeah, but you need to know, yeah, I mean. I, I know what can happen, and I'm just, I'm just waiting for something, like for a milagro, like. A miracle. Miracle, something happened over there, like. Okay. Because I know what I have, what I did. I know the laws, I mean, kind of like, I have to respect and go through the laws and it can be really hard. I know it's hard. What's the difference between you today and you in 2001, like 13 years ago? Is oh, there, a, is there uh, a different person I'm dealing with or am uh, I dealing with? No. Sometimes I show my face in the mirror. I see my face in the mirror and I say, you know, so stupid, man. I mean, <laughs> how stupid I was at that time. Now. So the only other possibility under the law is to simply ask the government to take a close look at your case and see if they would consider paroling you into the United States. But you have to show very compelling humanitarian reasons. Okay. It's not an easy thing, and the reason that we'll pursue this avenue is because we don't have anything else at the moment. Oh, I understand. Right? And so the worst that can happen is that they'll say no. That's the worst. You're already in Mexico. It, it can't get any worse than them saying no. But at least we've tried. Thank you. Now, the hard part is, is to be sitting in Mexico and not being able to feel like you have any control over what's going on up here. Yes. I'm sure there's plenty of people running around Mexico City whispering in your ear, you know, if you, if you just hire a coyote and come back, then what are you waiting for, right? Yes. It's a serious crime to cross that border without documentation, especially after you've been deported more than once. I'm thinking I have to do something because I'm desperate, but I'm here for four years already. So I can wait a little bit more, so. Okay, good. All right, so what we're gonna do is put together a parole application to ask the government to parole you into the United States. Yes. What gets you back here is Elizabeth has an amazing history yeah. in terms of what she's done for our country. Oh, I, I know what she did for the country, for me, for a lot of people. She's a really... Yeah. Do you need a Kleenex or do you need a moment? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the application is going to emphasize her situation, her situation <laughs> with the kids, and how much she needs you back here to be in your role as father, as husband and how much your absence is an extreme hardship on her, okay? Yeah, that's what I want so much. <laughs> well, I know you do. It's what we all want. I feel totally confident we get this application put in. It's going to be good. Mm -hmm. He's going to be back here. you got an amazing fighter on your side. <laughs> no, you've got an amazing, an amazing <laughs> fighter on your side. I know. I know. It's really good, I know. Though you're not here, I feel your love living in me. I feel your love
with Marcos in Mexico City. Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera, Guajira, Guantanamera. You know, when we put the petition in, I have 90 days supposedly to get an answer. But uh, now I started getting close to these 90 days. It's like, oof, we're not hearing anything. Okay. I have to wait and pray. We don't want to think about what are we going to do. But uh, if my petition turned down and I can't come back to the United States, I've been thinking to have my family in Mexico. Okay. They have to live here with me. All right. So, how was work? It was good. It was a lot of reference today, you know. I have just one today. Yeah. The next week, I, I go back for my normal schedule. Yeah. So, how is everything with Pelé and Rocky? They're fine. They're in their room watching TV right now. I'm going to let them watch TV until dinner time, and then that's it. Pelé had his piano lesson today. My mom took him, so... I mean, the truth is, is he really doesn't practice. I should probably have him doing something like track instead of piano. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. I was thinking um, about the petition. Yeah. And um, I'm really expecting everything gets good and I really want to be with you. I feel like we're like right at the top. We just have to wait at this point. I've been working with Veronica, gathering letters from veterans. I mean, there's not a whole, whole lot more to do, but just really kind of wait. Veronica contacted that lady in Washington, D.C., who's, uh, you know, trying to find out the status and trying to help uh, push it through and everything like that. So hopefully we'll hear something from her this coming up week. You know what? Um, lately, I'm just, like, dreaming, like... I'm with you and the babies, and now finally we get to the normal, our normal life. And I'm dreaming you like playing with the babies in the park, going to eat something, doing a lot of stuff, but let's wait, let's see what happens, so. The hardest part is because we're so close, and now it's just a lot harder than before because it's like now it's almost just waiting almost every day like we could hear something sometimes i don't want to think what about if something is negative and i don't want to talk about it but i'm really in the in the line like i just gonna cross and <laughs> and be with you and the babies yeah but you can't do that you can't cross you can't even think about that because if you do that one this whole five years that we've already been waiting would be for nothing. You know, you get caught. I don't want to take that chance. And besides, it's so much better if you're back and you, you can live free, live your life free and not have to look over your shoulder every three seconds. I don't want you coming back in five years, six years from now, play Rocky or like in middle school and then they see you one morning and then you're gone again because you got picked up at a stop sign or something on your way to work again. And then they have to live through all that trash again. It's almost yeah, like, let's get it out of the way now. But at the same time, you know, I never thought it would be this long. The time is killing me, like waiting, waiting, you know. Yeah. I want somebody close to me, sleep with me, love me. 
I love you, Flaquita. Love you, Marcos. Let's see, so let's, uh, let's pray and have egg and probably soon something can happen, so. Just try to keep yourself occupied because we're almost done, all right? So just be careful, so. with Elizabeth. It's Christmas time and Marcos isn't here yet. We haven't heard anything about his petition and I'm feeling totally depressed about it. I get really like sad and all that stuff. You know, I can't let anybody see that. No one that's really close to me really knows, <clears throat> but it's really, really wearing on me bad. I'm really tired of this whole situation. Be careful with that stuff, Pulay. I'm always careful. All right, Pulay. I'm about yeah. to plug it in. Okay, Mommy. Whoa, light, light. Can you put the pine cones on yet? Yeah. Yay! Put the pine cones on. Okay, you say. It's not going to stay like that. Put it right there. Put it right here. See? That's much better. Who made this, Mommy? I think B you made this. Yeah. Who made this? I'm Mr. Snow. Hey. Bia made that. Go hang it up, Pelay. Okay, Mommy. Put the balls on. Put them down over here. Okay, Mommy. This present is for Mommy. Happy Christmas, Mom. Well, who's Happy this one for? That one's for Mommy. Who's this one for? Daddy. Who's that one for? Yeah. What about Daddy? What are you gonna get Daddy for Christmas? Uh, I don't know. I forgot. Wait a second. I have an idea. What? Baby Jesus. Oh, little baby Jesus. <laughs> Happy Christmas, Mom. Thanks, Pelay. What is it? What'd you get me? Pine cones. <laughs> you got me pine cones? <laughs> You're a pine cone. Jesus, please, please, with daddy, oh no. Why are you making jokes, Pelay? I'm not making jokes. So you wanted to ask Jesus to bring daddy home? I said now. Six weeks later. Hello? Hello? Hey, David Leopold, how's it going? Um, listen, I gotta talk to you about something. Um, and this is a very difficult call. I, I got, uh, I got a notification this morning from, from ICE. Yeah? That they denied our petition. You're kidding. Hello? You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. They, they, they denied the petition. Uh, uh, they basically, it's a very short letter. And it says that they weighed the equities, uh, but they're not able to grant parole at this point. Um, Wait, are you serious I, or are you joking with me? No, no, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. You're, no, you're joking, joking with me, right? Elizabeth, I would not joke about something like this. I'm totally serious. I'm sorry, but I'm totally serious. Wait, 
Are you telling me they actually denied the petition? Um, yeah, they denied it. And uh, it was denied apparently on February 5th. So. Like you're telling me right now that they denied the petition, right? That's what you're telling me? Like seriously, like they seriously denied it? They denied it, yes. I'm not joking about this. I, I would never, ever joke about something like this. Yes, they denied it. That doesn't mean that there may not be other remedies, but you need to know, and I wanted Marcos to know, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in writing, and, and this is what I think, okay? Um, I would like to, to arrange a meeting. I'd like to get together so that we can go over exactly what's going on here and exactly what the, what the options are. Um, okay? No, you gotta be joking me right now. Like, I totally, totally am not hearing this. Like, they totally did not deny this petition. I mean, you really gotta be joking right now. Like, I'm so pissed right now. I'm really pissed. I really just, whoever denied the petition, I want them to come to my house for five minutes. I wanna kill them. I'm gonna kill them. I cannot believe they seriously, seriously, seriously denied the petition. For what? What was their actual reason why they denied it? I mean, they did say that they recognized the evidence that we presented, but on a balance, they denied it. Um, and my preference would be, of course, to tell you in person, but I needed you to know right away. I, I need Marcos to know, okay? Mm. Tell you what, um, take care of driving. Please give me a call when you get home, okay? All right. Elizabeth called me to give me a, a bad news about my petition getting denied. But um, I was expecting to get a positive news because we have really been planning our life for the future to be together. So it was really a sad day. I started feeling like um, I don't want to talk with nobody. I just want to be inside. But I started thinking, you know what? You have to accept it, Marcos. Life is like that, it's the way how it is, and it's real. So I have to go forward. I'm 43 now. I still can have my family, my kids, everything. Why not? So now I'm really thinking, like, we're going to get together pretty soon in Mexico. Hey, Elizabeth, so good to see you. You too. The last time we talked, it was a pretty tough conversation. Yep. What we tried to do, you know, when we got into this, um, you said to me that if you don't try it, if you don't try it, you won't know you tried everything. You have done everything. No, I cannot say that. Well. I refuse to say that because he's not here. But you have done everything so far. So far, it doesn't mean you won't continue to do things. Let's talk about where we're going to go from here. Okay. Okay. Um, continuing to pursue this on Capitol Hill with, with uh, Ohio senators, but um, also uh, there's been a change in your, in your uh, status, mm -hmm. right, from the Veterans Administration. Well, they increased my anxiety rating, my service-connected percentage to, to 80%, and it was at 30. Okay, Dis disability rating. Yeah, you can use that word. Okay. 
Well, I mean, it's important, not, not because you know, I don't think anybody who knows you is ever going to claim that you, you've stuttered any disability. Your strength speaks for itself. Yeah, and what they did was um, they changed my anxiety rating to a much higher level, which ended up bringing the entire percentage up. All right. And um, although, I mean, it's really clear even in my records that um, although it's, you know, started from when I was in the Marine Corps, but that this entire situation has agitated it up to that level. Okay. I feel like that could be a strong player in this reconsideration. And so asking for reconsideration, mm -hmm. uh, pointing out that in fact your, your disability rating has increased as a result of this, the anxiety related to this deportation and the separation from Marcos and the children and, and everything you're dealing with. Yeah. This is clearly affecting your life. But you know what, here's the thing. I'm gonna need you and Marcos to both be invested in this too. Well, it's not so easy though. No, I know, I know. But you take your mental break, but you've gotta, you know, you've gotta get back to where you were. It's, it's easy for me to say that, I know, but. Um, it's been five years. So I'm not gonna lose my marriage over this fight. My marriage could be in crumbles. Like this is ridiculous. I'm not gonna keep fighting this and then look back and it's been nine years, you know? Well, we also have to face the very real, realistic possibility that, you know, at some point we have to go to another plan. And legally speaking, that other plan at this point is, is you know, waiting for those five years to pass and bringing them back. I'm not waiting five years. Okay, but I want to be honest with you, that is the next thing. This whole thing is just crap. They want to have this permanent bar for 10 years. That's a huge chunk of time. So when he comes back, I'll be in my 40s. My sons will be 10 and nine, pretty much got one foot out the door already. And that's when we're gonna start our life together. Everybody says the system is broken. And then in the meantime, my family's paying for this broken system. It's ridiculous. At an OLA meeting with Executive Director Veronica Dahlberg. You know we've been working with Elizabeth on her case. You know her husband was deported in 2010. I want everyone to know that the petition was denied to bring her husband back. So what this means is, are we just gonna give up? No. Okay, are we gonna leave it like that and just say, oh, it was denied too bad? No. Okay, so what we gotta do is we're gonna do a march. And I want Elizabeth to hear from you guys because she's counting on us. Mm -hmm. This is the only hope. What did the lawyer say when you talked to him? He said, I need to wait five more years and then we can apply to get him back. So the only hope Elizabeth has right now is with us in Ola, but it's gonna be hard. So please, everybody, we gotta give it all we got on May 4th. The reason why is because if the media comes on May 4th, it's gonna be in the papers, hopefully, on Cinco de Mayo. And the people can see Cinco de Mayo while you're enjoying your margaritas and your sombrero, think about all the people in our community who are suffering with this broken immigration system. Just contemplate that. And so for this March for Elizabeth, because it's such a tough case, we're gonna need double the people. Okay, everybody raise your hand who's gonna participate in this March for them. Okay. Thank you.
Okay, 6 a.m. Maybe can we do 7? Yeah, okay, 7. <laughs> so let's make sure that we bring Elizabeth's husband back on Mar May 4th. See? Okay. Ay, eso fue muy débil. That was weak. <laughs> let's make sure we get Elizabeth's husband back. Are we going to wait five years? No! <laughs> Gracias a todos por estar aquí hoy. Thank you to everybody for being here today. We need a miracle. Yeah. And so we're going to sacrifice a little bit by walking the 20 miles and hope that our pleas are heard. Okay, the first rule is we're going to walk together, not separate, because um, I'm always the last one, and I don't want to be like all the way in the back. So, Elizabeth, you want to say some words? Okay. Elizabeth! Okay. My husband, Marcos, is on the phone, and that's how I live my life. With him on my side, but at the phone. I want to say thank you to every single person here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you to come out here to help for my family, too. I was really down after Marcos's parole was denied. I know a lot of people are missing work. But I'm back and we are ready to roll. I don't like words, I like action. Thank you to Ola. Ola is the only reason I have hope for my family. The only reason I feel my husband's gonna come home is solo Ola. <laughs> okay, let's get on the sidewalk and get information. We have David Leopold, the lawyers out here. My mom's here. My mom's ready to walk 21 miles. Elizabeth, we gotta turn left. My cousin Davey flew in from Utah just to come to this march. Elizabeth, we gotta follow the sign for 20. The weather is beautiful out here. There is a chance of thunderstorms, but I have total faith that we're gonna make it. We got almost 100 Ola warriors organized, ready to do this march from Menor, Ohio to St. Casimir's to ask Our Lady of Chesahova to bring my family back. Well, why can't my husband be here? We're in this to win this. That's how I see it. It's too long. It's five years. It's way too much time. People have brought their kids out here and have baby strollers, and they're ready to walk. This walk is going to take us all day long. And I'm very humbled and proud of all of the Mexican community that's out here. I've been there for their family when it was a threat of a deportation. And those families are out here today. We're gonna draw attention to my family and get people in power to bring Marcos home. It's getting darker out here. Rain clouds are forming above us. We felt a little light drizzle, but we can hear the bells of St. Casimir's ringing and we are gonna make it.
You are, are you? the only dad who's in Mexico. How do you feel about like you're there and I'm here? Bet. Hate it. Why is you daddy in Mexico and I'm in Ohio? That's bad. Very, very, very bad. Don't play with your food, play. Other kids have their dad, but no, how many dads? Bele, I love you. pasaron ya en que pasé de mojado papeles no he arreglado sigo siendo un ilegal two months later in Mexico City what do you feel like you want to eat I want those tamales for that guy who puts the whole drumstick in the tamale mm -hmm. you know who I'm talking about yeah by your grandmas we gotta go over there yeah let's go we can go. Just let um, I gotta go take a shower. Okay. Before we go there. Okay. And uh, yeah. Oh, tomorrow I for, I'll be forgetting. Like I, we gotta go play soccer. I gotta go play soccer. You wanna go with me? Yeah. I can stay here by myself. Yeah. How about like uh, if you wanna go like uh, to the pyramids? Or dancing. Or dancing. Or take or take me out to eat. Yeah. On a date. Yeah. In the movies? We can go. We can go out with my sister. No, but there's been something I need to tell you. Um, I'm here in Mexico. I've been here for a little while, and I just found out me and Marcos are having another baby. Uh, I was here a little while ago, and I hadn't seen Marcos in almost two years. And we had so much fun. We did not plan for this to happen at all, but we didn't prevent from it to happen either. But to be totally honest, at the end of the day, I was completely shocked that, you know, this is real, like we're really having another baby. And um, it changes a lot of things. We got a whole nother life to think about. It's almost like a second chance. We can have this baby and raise it together. I'm going to stay in Cleveland and have the baby there for insurance purposes. And then I'm really, really hoping Marcos can come back before this baby's born. But if it's not, then we have a whole lot to think about. It feels so weird to be here without playing Rocky. Yes. So uh, by the time this baby's born, no matter what, if I got to move, if you're not in the United States, I'm coming to Mexico because there's no way I'm having another baby by myself. I did Pelé by myself, Rocky all by myself, and I'm definitely not doing it by myself again. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, is that when we come here, you really gotta understand how it is with them. 
all the time, like long term. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then I talking about that, depending on where we're gonna live, where we're gonna move. I mean, I I like that apartment, but I don't want to stay in that apartment with Pele, Rocky, and another baby. Where every time we gotta go outside, one of us has to go outside with them. Really, you. So, um, it's something you really gotta, really, really. I know it's hard because you're not with them all the time, but you gotta think of it in that angle too, like more realistic. Not just like it's so simple. It's not yeah. as simple as that. It's actually kind of complicated with them. Yeah. I mean, if we move to Mexico, I mean, I'm hoping that's not what happens. But if that's what happens. I like that picture. Yeah. Nice we, picture. We really got to really, really have a plan. You know, we're not just going to come down here and throw a play in whatever school and be like, oh, yeah, he's a big but... boy. He can figure it out. No, I don't want to do that. I want to find something that's going to be comfortable for them, too. Not just, oh, they're kids. They can figure it out on their own. Kids are strong. I had to figure stuff out when I was young. That's what they call the dinosaur mentality. So I want to do for them, like for me, them is my priority about moving to Mexico, not us and what we want. It's really hard to think about. Oh, shoot. This is a picture of the 43 students that disappeared. Yeah. That's what all these are for? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. They still don't know what happened to them? No. Ugh. So what do you want to do now? What do you feel like? You know, Elizabeth, the baby's going to be here next year. When you plan to come to Mexico? I bet you it's going to be into June next year, July or more, and it's going to extend a little, a little, and it's going to be the same thing all the time. Wait for me. Two years. Wait for me. Three years. And I'm in jail. Do you know how it feels? Why we gotta be like that? I mean, I'm with you 100% already. Five years, going for six years. What are you gonna do? Wait another four or five years? Yeah, yeah. Marcos, I, stop. Like, I'm telling you this, 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 and that. I was on, I keep telling you, I'm on the same thing. I'm going through the same crap as you. It's not like I'm sitting here, okay, Marcos, wait three months so I can sit here in America and eat pancakes all Day. I'm on the same damn thing as you, where I feel so bad. Oh, it's about to happen. He's about to come home. Oh. You're not the only one waiting, being good and all that crap. I do the same crap. I don't care. I want family. Really, I mean, that's what I want. I want somebody close to me, sleep with me, love me. Like those, those, those. I, nobody told me, I love you. How much I wanna be with you? And my life said Pelé and Rocky. So why you don't catch all the stops? Like I'm not innocent, I'm not a stupid, I'm not a the king, I'm not a the best one. But I'm, I'm one of the few I want to have a family, to be responsible, to be a dad, to be next to you. That's what I want. I don't care anymore in anything. For you wanna be in Australia, whatever, let's do it. You want to go somewhere? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. I don't care. You know, time kills everything. You're going to be better. You're going to another grow. What's the problem, man? What's the problem? I know that feeling already. I don't want to get old and not having nobody. My kids are already growing and all this stuff. No. So let's see next year. Are we together? We're not together? Or I don't know. No.
cuando te digo te adoro lo digo de corazón porque nunca había sentido tan especial cariño como el tuyo mi Elizabeth, back in Cleveland. It's going to be a long day today because Congressman Jim Jordan is doing free haircuts for veterans on Veterans Day. So my quest to bring Marcos back here is taking me to a whole nother place. And sometimes I question, like, if it's even worth it. I don't care. I have to push myself and do it which is what I'm doing right now. Jordan is actually a tea partier. So, uh, normally they're more not for immigration or anything that has to do with it at all. A lot of people have a vision that Democrats are more compassionate or helpful, but that's a bunch of crap. It's not true at all. And Republicans, supposedly everyone thinks they're just white supremacists or something, but a lot of them have helped with so many cases to bring, you make sure undocumented immigrants have not been deported and have stepped in to stop it. So it's like, which one is it? I don't really care. I just know that Congressman Jordan might be a tea partier. He's still also a human being. I'm just going to talk to him like, what if I was your daughter? I don't want a damn haircut. I want my husband home. So here we are, parking spots and all. Whew. All right, hopefully he's here. And hopefully they do women's hair. Maybe he'll just think I'm a veteran spouse and not an actual veteran because I'm a woman. Down those stairs. No, we got one more here somewhere. Hey, number 21. You want me to cut your hair? Yeah, ready for me? I've never cut women's hair before. Are you for real? I'm serious. Never, ever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. How do we get free haircuts? <laughs> yeah, that, that might not be a good idea. Really? Yeah, never, ever. How about a shave? And no. Thanks for being honest. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. You're the first lady we've had. Really? You served in, in Army, Marine Corps, what would you, what, you well, maybe? Army and Marine Corps. No. Do you remember meeting me in your office in, the, in D.C. with Veronica oh, last right. year? Oh, sure, that's why, yes, I do. Yeah, and you came in and talked to us personally. Yeah. And uh, I remember at that time I was getting ready to put in a petition for my husband. Is it mm -hmm. coming back to you? Mm-hmm. Well, it was denied. So were you, did we meet with you in Norwalk? Uh, no, I haven't okay. been so in Norwalk. You, you were in, in our office in D.C.? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's a little separate than what I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. As you can see, yeah. I'm kind of in yeah. a hurry yeah. for my husband to get back here. Yeah. So um, I know we talked about it like a year and a half ago or about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping I'm going to be putting in a new application. And so I'm hoping maybe you can help me with it. Okay. Endorse it. Help me get it. And your husband is in, been sent to Mexico. Back to Mexico, right? Right. Okay. It's been almost six years. Yeah. That's how long this struggle has been going on. Yeah. He can apply in 2020. Okay. Well, I need him back here like yesterday. Yeah. And now we're having another baby, and I really, really need mm -hmm. somebody, and I'm hoping it's you, 
to help me to get her back here. Because I get so much lip service. Okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll look at it. Maybe he'll do something to help Marcos. And um, Maybe not. Is there certain paperwork that you have to give us or file? Or have we, we got all the information we need to do for our office to look at? Well, I can get it to you because yes. I'm going to file a new uh, humanitarian visa because the last I'm glad I came. I need to keep trying. You can refile another one. we got to look at the whole history, look at the file. You're looking look at, at a lot of history. Yeah, I understand. And we're looking at someone who served our country, and we certainly appreciate that. So we'll take a look at it. And uh, I would definitely appreciate that a lot more than a haircut. Yeah, okay? I understand. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you, by the way. Yeah, I'm still donut. <laughs> I'm Dick Bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Women's service members must work three times as hard to be seen as equal to our male counterparts. Good afternoon, Congressman Jordan and staff. Last week, I read an article calling for Ohio veterans to come get a haircut paid for by the congressman. Unfortunately, the article did not state that it was a male-only barber and women vets would not be able to get a cut. I felt that ever-too-familiar sting of reality that a Congress member, who represents an entire area of people, only represents whom they choose, in this case, male veterans. This is not a simple mistake, but reflects the fact that our sacrifices are not considered equal, whether it's subconsciously or not. Yesterday, I traveled three hours from Cleveland to Bluffton. Like all of the veterans there, I did not go for the free haircut. I went for an opportunity to speak to the congressman about an issue, my husband who was deported in 2010. However, I feel disrespected that my decade of service is not even worth a haircut because I'm a woman. It is not even the cut, it's the blatant disregard of an entire group of veterans' sacrifices. I almost did not say anything since I want the congressman to help me with my husband's return to our family Yet, I am still a Marine and still live by those values which compel me to speak above everything else. Yesterday's event was wrong and disregarded the service of over 2 million veterans, the amount of female vets in the U.S. I hope that in the future, veterans events will be inclusive of all, not just what some think a veteran is. I will be sending you a copy of my petition for my husband in the next week for your review. I hope that you can find a way to advocate for this veteran and my family. Thank you for your time in this matter. Feel free to contact me with any questions or concerns. Send. Mom, it's allowed to be noisy upstairs. Get your ass upstairs, boy. Yeah. I swear to God, I am really pissed off at you. Rocky, no. get your butt upstairs now. And I am not telling you again. Up there now. You are out of control. Get up there and sit out. Quiet. I am currently in my third trimester, and you know how people say girls are different. This pregnancy has been way different than the last two, but really the weird thing is because of everything that's going on with Marcos, I'm so anxious all the time about this whole situation. You know, when the baby's gonna be born, being the deadline, like living together in Mexico, or going our separate ways if we weren't gonna work out and be together. So I've got less than two months, and then she'll be here.
Elizabeth visits her friend, Dora Acosta. Hey, Dora, what's going on? How are you? Pretty good. Congratulations on the citizenship. Thank you. How's it feel? It feels great. Thank you, come on then. Sure. It was amazing because that same court was gonna decide whether I was deported or stayed. Yeah. So it was amazing walking out of there five years later being a U.S. In citizen. the same building. The same building. I'm so happy for you. How's Marco's case going? It's going. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's, um, that's a battle too. Like the same thing I'm saying. It's like how much, how many hoops do you have to jump through, you know, for your family to be together? Like I put in a visa application for him for the humanitarian parole last year, you know, it was denied. I put in another one this year, it was denied. I've just mailed in another one again. I'm like, I'm just gonna keep sending them. Do you think you would go back to Mexico if they denied it again? I don't think I have a choice anymore. If I keep staying here and he keeps staying there, then it's not gonna work. Not that neither one of us would want it to, but it's like already, this summer is gonna be six years. Uh-huh. So it's like, I feel like if they're not gonna approve it, then I, I need to move there. Yeah, so basically in order to save your family, yeah. you have to move. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. And my husband's always been pressuring me a lot, like I gotta move there. Uh -huh. But I don't wanna move to Mexico City, I told him that. I don't wanna live there. You hear like the travel department putting out warnings right for where my husband lives. And then he makes me paranoid about not wanting me to speak English on the street because it's a target and he's been, you know, like on the bus, you know, they people come on and rob the entire bus when he's been on the bus a couple times. I don't want to worry about my kids walking home from school. Somebody like takes them. And um, I don't know if like, sometimes I don't know if I like go too much into that, like thinking that, or it's really, I feel like it's a valid worry, you know? I think it is because if I go down there for two or three weeks, we watch out for the same things. Like mm -hmm. we're just down there on vacation. Um, and we're always watching, like my son, I'll be like, Shh, don't I'll be like the same way yeah. because I'm paranoid because they are, there's people that are just watching you and they do things. The danger yeah. and the kidnappings and all of that are out of hand. They'll kill you for 20 pesos down there. Jeez, that's <laughs> so, not even $2. I think Marcos loves his kids so much and He's afraid because he sees how things are. Yeah. I mean, if you were just Mexican, lived there your whole life, I think they wouldn't care about you. But for you to be American and go down there, mm -hmm. you're, like he says, a target right away. For somebody like me or the kids who were raised uh, up here, we're a target because they feel like, oh, they have more family in the U.S., we can kidnap them and, and get, get money. So you agree with me, like, you would feel the same way, like, you don't know if you want to take your kids there, too? No, I, I well, when <clears throat> he was almost deported, when Luis was almost deported, um, I was the same way, like, I would flip-flop and be like, well, we can just, we can make it work. Yeah. But no, you just don't have that security. My sister, when I went last time, she's like, you don't hold them like this, Dora, because they can slip, they can oh, just wow. slip them right out. You hold them like this. If they try to pull them from you, you, you it'll be harder for them to wow. snatch them. I get really nervous, like, if something happened to my kids. 
like I think any woman does. If you live in Mexico City, you're basically putting your whole family at risk. It's like taking a broken family and just dealing with it here. Yeah. But taking your or or taking your entire family and putting it at risk in a really dangerous place. That's a tough. That's yeah. a tough, tough decision. I feel like. You know, something I think about a lot is like, you 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 know, you're spiritual, right? Yeah. Like God doesn't care like where you're at. It's just the most important thing. It's like having your family unit and being together, right? Uh -huh. So sometimes I feel like you know, by me staying here, am I like withholding from our family unit by not going there? That's something like I struggle with like internally. You know, you know what I'm saying? I think at the in the long run you just got to do whatever you feel is best for your family and yeah. just try it because you guys have to be together you've struggled too much on your own and i think you deserve that you're in a tough tough situation well i'm glad you're out of yours yeah. Dora. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy how i had to become a u.s citizen and you're already a u.s citizen and a marine you still have to put this big fight yeah Hello. I'm right here. Oh, look at you. Yep, yep. See Gorgie Georgie? Oh, she's just... Yeah, she got she got big fast, huh? It's funny, funny. So, um, yeah. we got a lot to talk about today. Mm -hmm. You talked to all the schools on that yeah. whole list that we uh, had. So today we have to decide before we get off this phone call, like, are we staying here for an extra year? Are uh, we going to come there? Like, right now I'm going to get prepared, get my GED, have it set for the next year. And uh, if I get a job where, where I can have medical, and uh, you guys can move here to Mexico next year. I remember us talking about I'm always going to have a reason and it's going to be this many months until we come there. And now I feel like I want to say the same thing to you too. If we stay here another year, I mean, part of me feels like I want to, maybe for selfish reasons, like because, you know, the kids' school and like we're comfortable with like, the insurance and all that type of stuff. And then another part of me is like, I just want to have a decision. Whatever we're doing, like we do something. You're here or we're there. Like I hate this like limbo stuff and we're just going to be like limbo for another year. And now I got the VA pension. So we have a better opportunity to make it moving there. And I feel like you just flip flop on it a lot too. You know, it just kind of makes me wonder like, with this year, because coming from you, it really surprised me. Yes. So let me ask you this. What? You want me to move there, right? I'm not yeah. talking about the babies. I'm talking about us. Yes. Yes, Elizabeth. For, for you, and we're a family, Elizabeth. I don't want to say yes for you, for everybody. I know for everybody, but I'm not talking about just our family. I'm talking about us. Yes, Elizabeth. Really? Yeah, I mean, I feel that way, but I just got to throw it out there because we're going on six years and this isn't normal. So we have to focus on like, what is our plan? Like, because I don't want it to be nine years 
And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's been nine years already and yeah. I don't want, um, you know, something crazy to happen. I love you. Ten years and then you finally come back here and we're finally living together and we've been married for like 12 years and living together for one of them, you know? You're yeah. going to have like, you know, you got your whole family here and you're there by yourself. You got to get prepared for that too, Marcos, because when we come there, we're coming there. Yeah. And um, it's it's your it's the way you're living now by yourself is gonna change. I know you're gonna be happy about it, but I mean you gotta recognize too, like next year we're coming there. Ready, set, go. No, you won't play uh, the punk game. Are we going to Mexico? Am I not going to Mexico? The truth of the matter is, is I'm going completely, completely insane. Come here. And I don't know how much more of this I can take by myself. You want to play rope, paper, scissors? It's like, we can't continue doing this for another three years or a little more than three years. And then even still in three years, there's a huge chance it might not even get approved, period. I mean, he might have to live in Mexico forever. We don't know anything. It's like the, the future is this big, huge unknown. I have paper, you have scissors. I am not enjoying this walk. Mommy. Get up right now. You are really making me mad. You need to stop it right now. Do you understand me? You stop it. Give me that. You are misbehaving. Don't start crying. Look at me right now. Look at me right now. Stop it right now. No. Stop. Stop it right now. Look at me. You are misbehaving. You need to stop. And you're doing it on purpose. Don't start playing games. Stop. Look at me. Do not start playing games. You will. Look at me. You will hold my hand. Do you understand me? And you will not say a word. Do you got it? Nope. Shh. Quiet. I'm gonna squeeze it every time you cry. No crying. Shh, shh, quiet. Shh. Hey, I said no crying. It doesn't matter. Elizabeth visits a statue of the Virgin Mary outside her church. Here we are again. Oh, Mary, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Please, please, please. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen.
Please, Mary. I really need Marcos back here. I really need him to come back home. I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you guys want. But please, can this happen soon? Just can't take it anymore. I try to have so much faith like it's gonna work and I believe in you and everything. It's just really weighing on me, please. I trust you for everything. I love you. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, oh dear Lord, for the many blessings that you always give me. Thank you for your love and your Holy Spirit that is always near me. While down on my knees, I feel so unworthy and I cry I'm sorry. So rejoices, giving you the glory for all you've done for me. I'm exhausted. I really hope this works. Yeah. I know you put a lot into this and traveling with Veronica Dahlberg, Elizabeth, and her parents. This is a lot of sacrifice on a lot of people's part. My parents, you, Hilda, Stephanie, very costly. And uh, I'm really hoping that it works and Marcos comes home. Won't that be amazing? Yeah. They let him in. Yeah. But wait, you didn't get him a ticket back, so what are you going to do? Drive. Drive? Yeah, wow. we would drive home. So here we are in McAllen, Texas. And we're in McAllen, Texas for one reason, because we're going to bring Marcos home. Take a couple days. We're going to do it in a different way than how we've been attempting the humanitarian parole before. What we've been doing is sending it to ICE, and it's five times I've sent it to them but it's been denied. Yeah, it does seem like a long shot. There's not a I lot spoke of to a lawyer and she informed me we can go to the U.S.-Mexican border. Marcos would have to come up with the petition and present it to Border Patrol. And Border Patrol would then have the discretion to let him come into the country or, of course, deny the petition. It's like a shot in the dark. But if there's a chance for Marcos to come home, I want to do it. Me and Veronica looked it up, and there's not a whole lot of information about can this really work. So we're kind of out on a little bit of a limb with this attempt. I really hope they let him in. They've got to do the right thing and let him in. My daughter simply fell in love with a man in America, and the government told her that they needed their approval for him to live with her. I find that very bizarre. Where's our car at? Marcos, he's hardworking, and the only thing that any father asks of a son-in-law is, do you love the children? And he's a great lover of his children. And the separation I have seen over the past six years has not worked well for the family. And now we're down at the Border Patrol, trying to convince them to let Marcos into the country. So where are we going now? Uh, we gotta go to the car rental place. 
And then um, we'll have a little meeting tonight to discuss our plans. Yeah. I just got a call this morning from the Mexican consulate here in McAllen, Texas, and it's horrible, horrible news. They reached out to the border patrol and were told that if Marco shows up at the checkpoint so that we could submit his petition, that he will be arrested and detained and held for up to two years. This is shocking because we were told that we could do this. It's unbelievable. This could have been a disaster. I hate to have to give them the news, though. You yeah. Know I mean, like, yeah. But How do you think he's going to take it? I don't know. I don't know. It's a super cruel, harsh punishment. He's going to be upset, but he's going to be so happy to, like, see everybody at the same time. It's going to be really important for him to see my dad. Yeah. Really, 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 Veronica? That's a big thing. I know. Take it easy. Don't stress too much. <sighs> Okay, yo puedo entrar, can I go now? Si? Sí? Yes. Hi, Veronica. How are you? Good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Marcos, no, we could good, not good. get the petition approved. We do not get it approved. It's okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. Mm. Hello. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I missed you so much. Mm. Man, look at you. You look so yeah. good. <laughs> I changed my... Uh, I think no ladies are allowed in here. <laughs> I, changed, I changed my suit to like a million times because it's so hot. Yeah. Marcos. Hey, what's up? Love you. My suegra. <laughs> my mother-in-law. Wow. It's incredible. She's here. I remember she cooked for me and gave me all the attention. She's a really nice person. Anyway, thanks for everything. Hey. So what's up, Sogro? Long time I wanna see you. <laughs> so you've been working at all? Yeah. I'm so happy to see my father-in-law, John. Come, come with me. I know he's really happy to see me. You know, be nice for you to get back when we can still pick up a hammer together. Yeah, know. sure. We have a really good time talking about when we work together. Mm -hmm. But I can see he started getting older. And uh, he always made me laugh. They went and broke the real estate market. He's a really nice guy and I love him so much. Oh, wow. You look so cute. She's just like me. No. <laughs> What's up? No way, yeah. No, because you're looking like that. Yeah, you were smiling. Why you smile? I'm really excited to see my daughter, Georgia, for the first time. She's an eat your finger. She's really tiny. Emotionally, it's kind of complicated because I have another daughter in California. She's 20 years old. And now I have Georgia, my new baby. It reminds me how depressed I get sometimes thinking about what I want for my first daughter, Daisy. I have all these dreams, all these goals to grow like a family for her. She looks exactly like me. Now Georgia, she's leaving me, getting back to the United States. She looks like me. You look like mama, right? It's difficult to live without her, without my family. But I know one day we will be together. <laughs>
All right, what time's your flight at? I gotta be there early. So we're gonna go up to the bridge and cross the bridge, and then you got your taxi coming to take you to the airport. Yeah. Progreso, Mexico yeah. is a border town. It's one of the toughest and dangerous states in Mexico. I'm really sorry this didn't work, but at least we tried. After Elizabeth leave and go back to the United States, I want to get out of here, take my flight, and go back to Mexico City. Okay. All right, well, I think we're, I'm going to go straight now. Yeah. And then I'll call you tonight. I'll see you, okay? See you. Okay. Love you. Take care of yourself. I love you. Don't forget that. Mm. Next time I see you playing rock, you'll be bouncing all over the place. Yeah. Say bye to Miss Georgia. Uh. <laughs> all right, love you. Take care. <sighs> all right. Oh my gosh. As you know, I'm being depressed, I'm being stressful and anxious, being away from my family. That's why I decided to join this holistic wellness center. One of the activities I did there is Zumba dancing. It refreshes my brain. It moves my mind. It makes me feel positive, active. It makes me feel good. Marcos' yoga teacher says take a deep breath, hold it, now exhale. This will make you feel calmer. I try everything there. I take yoga. Marcos tells him I was in the U.S. and they deported me. I talk with a psychologist. Marcos says I've been depressed because my wife and kids are in the U.S. Depression. It doesn't always work. But I try to get better. His teacher continues. Let us think about your interior. Let us check your heart. I want you to visualize your family. Tell them how much you miss them and that you need them.
in Cleveland at an OLA meeting with Veronica Dahlberg. You know we've been working with Elizabeth on her case? She's somebody who doesn't give up. We filed a seventh petition on her case with ICE, and it was denied. People are in OLA. They fight their cases, and they leave. They fight their case, they leave. But Elizabeth is still fighting six years, and she's still here. And we've tried everything, but there's some things that are out of our control, like ICE and what is happening there, which they're out of control, basically. So, Elizabeth, do you want to say anything? Yeah. ¿Quieres decir algo a, a la gente? Hello, everyone. So, um, Veronica just gave a little bit of the update that the petition was denied again, seven times. And this last time, I was for sure it was going to get approved. And what makes it even harder is recently we did an inquiry, and um, they said that no matter what we do for this petition, they're just not going to approve it. They're not going to approve it no matter what, Mm -hmm. is what they said. I'm still going to mail another one probably next week, and we're just waiting for a letter because I'm not going to take that answer. But um, I'm sure a lot of people in here know how hard it is when your spouse is in another country and you just got to try to keep it all together. And we're in our seventh year, and it's really, really hard. I mean, it's really hard on my husband. It's hard for me to watch him, like, see how hard it is for him because he's a father, and he has no opportunity to be a father. We have three children now, and he hasn't been with any of them. One of them for five months, that's it. That's it. That's his only opportunity he's had. And it's really, like, draining on my entire family. And I'm really thinking most likely that we're just going to go there. And I don't want anybody to feel like I'm giving up on Ola, I'm giving up on immigration, nothing. Because even when I'm there, I'm still going to be sending petitions. I'm still going to be doing whatever I got to do. But the most important thing is I got to have my family together. And um, I feel spiritually conflicted. It shouldn't matter what land you're standing in, what house you live in, what clothes you have on the back, you should have the people you love together with you. But it's really hard because I moved to Mexico before (laughs) and we didn't make it. Like, we were hungry. And when I say hungry, I mean hungry. So it's like, it was really hard. So I've always had this conflict for the last, like, six years. And... um, now I just feel like I'm called, like if, if I cannot get him home this year before the kid, when the kids get out of school, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta make sure that we're not divorced 10 years from now. I gotta make sure that when we have grandkids, we're all at the same table, that this stupid immigration system doesn't destroy my family because it's not gonna happen. They're not gonna win that. They've won this separation. They've won a lot of things. They're not gonna win that. All right, listen to me, guys. I want to talk to you guys about Mexico, okay? Yes. You know we might be moving to Mexico when you get out of first grade, Filet. Yeah, I'm not going to play with my friends anymore. Don't you think you'll get new friends in Mexico? I, I'm really, I might get used to them. But then, but then how can I speak their language? Well, you'll figure it out. You're really smart, Filet. You're really smart. Should I copy the other kids? Is that hot dog cooked? Nope. <laughs> Lord help you. Let me see that. Let me just touch it and see if it's at least warm. Okay. 
You'll be fine. You'll learn how to speak Spanish. It's not that hard. You're really smart. You'll figure it out. You guys are both really, really smart. You do really good in school. You'll do really good in school there too. You're just gonna have to work a little bit harder. Okay? Okay? Yeah, but now I'm in second grade. I'm gonna be in second grade next year. You're gonna year. be in second grade in Mexico, okay? And you're gonna go to school. And you gotta learn how to speak Spanish. Okay, and it's probably gonna be really hard for you in the beginning. But you'll figure it out because you're really smart, okay? Yeah. What are you gonna make you happy? Oh, playing soccer with daddy. Yeah, does daddy always play soccer with you? Yeah. Rocky, come here, Rock. Why do you not want to move to Mexico? Because the, maybe the teacher will ask us more uh, Mexico more how to say Spanish, and we don't know what it is. But you're going to learn Spanish. No, we forget. You will learn Spanish, Rocky, and you'll learn how to speak Spanish. No, I don't want to move there. Why do you not want to move there? Because we, we don't want to learn Spanish. We forget it. We don't know Spanish. You'll learn Spanish, Rocky. No. Why are you so angry about going to Mexico? Because I want to know. Because the teacher will tell us what's Spanish. And me and Blake don't know. But you're going to learn how to speak Spanish. No, we're not going to Mexico. Aren't you going to be happy to see Daddy and live with Daddy and live in the same house with Daddy? If we do not go to a school. But if we go to Mexico, you're going to have to go to school in Mexico. No. We are going to Mexico. No. And you're going to school but in Mexico. I just want Spanish. I just want Spanish. Mexico people there, not Ohio. And I don't know Spanish. Okay. Well, we're going to Mexico. No. We are going to Mexico. Spanish words did you guys learn today? Rocky, how are you saying in Spanish 49? Correcto, nueve. Yeah. Daddy, remember you heard me say it in the car, I can count to 100? Mm -hmm. How do you say 15? Um, you should know. 15? Yeah. <laughs> 12, 13, 14, y? Um, 15. Yeah. How about this? How about this? Count as high as you can count. Let me see how high you can go. From the beginning. Okay. Me too. Nope. Rocky first. We've been in the Yucatan for a while now. We have another baby here, so we have four children now to take care of. So that just throws extra work into the mix. I forget which one it was at. 78. Oh, you better don't do that. Play and Rocky have been in school for a while. That's why I try to remind you. You gotta calm down, but long enough to recognize that they each have their own challenges with the transition and language. I know, I know. The next one. Play will push himself trying to be the best he can. 
Rocky's having trouble ripping up his book in school, getting mad. Play, you're not looking. No, I can't. Just things that with time will get better. You're fired. Oh, yeah, you call me fired, then you get a whooping. Okay, if you find it one shot, then you are out. So, Daddy goes first. Okay, Daddy. Okay, yours is yellow? Wait, I was supposed to go first. Okay, is your guy yellow? Do it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Are you uh, blue? Okay, this is a blue. Let's see. Wait, this why are you blue. opening the blues? Because Daddy actually was blue. It's orange? No, you said it's orange first, so it's orange. So you have to say it's orange, so you have to flip all the ones in orange. You said it is orange. I said it's not orange. So now it's yellow? Uh, yeah. It's not, is your sea lion? Yes, hey, you heard that. I hear it. You cheated, I win. <laughs> you cheated. Okay, now, now start over, come Who on. Who got that job? He cheated. Okay. He cheated. Chill out. Mommy, now we're doing the people guess who. Okay. Again? You know, since Marcos was deported in 2010, we have not lived together more than a couple months at a time. In essence, he has been a bachelor and I have been a single mom. Uh. Now we're finally living together after all these years, and we have to learn to live together again. And it's really not easy. We have a lot of tension. A big problem that we have here is Marcos can't find a job, and it's definitely not for a lack of trying. He was offered a job as a security guard. He would work 60 hours a week, and he would get paid approximately 55 US dollars. I told him that's really not the kind of money that we need to be making. He feels emasculated because he's not working and bringing in money. And all of these things I feel like he takes out on me. We're getting money from the VA pension in my name. He feels like he has to do everything I say because I'm the one bringing money in. But for me, it's like, I don't need all these stuff. I told her, we can live a little bit cheaper and a little bit cheaper place. You're the one that picked this place, not me. No, I You picked this that. place. No, it's not nothing like that. So then yeah, you keep throwing you it in my face that we moved Because here. you feel comfortable. Well, then stop throwing it in my you face, feel I feel comfortable. I saw you, like, you feel comfortable. I can see you, I mean, I'm not guessing. I can see you when, where you feel comfortable, where you feel happy. Otherwise, you'll, you're not happy. And then that, what happened right now is like, you have to just accept it, like, you're not gonna see your mom, you're not gonna have your friends. I already know that. Go with Ola, you're not gonna have your friends or Marcos, whatever. you act like I never left no, home no. before in my life. No, no. I'm a grown woman. No, no, well, the point, the, the end of the point is like, why, the stress, like, you know, really happy, like, sometimes we argue, whatever, it's, it's, I told you, I'm happy. You see, I call my mom and I, it's my life. I don't wanna be people like, be like me, but, I call my mom sometimes, I call her, but you gotta be 24 hours every day, from the seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> to all to eight, nine o'clock. But I do all of the stuff because I love hearing for my kids. It's, it's just about you. This is so stupid. Like we're here, 
We're living here in a great place. We have everything that we could possibly want right now. Our family, we're here together, and we can't get past. I follow you everywhere. You tell me to do this, 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 blah, 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 blah. You're on the phone too much. This is that. Oh, you're on the phone all the time because you're not happy with your family. I'm on the phone all the time because I like to talk. You're like this. You have a friend. You have friends. You should care more about your family. Why do you care about your friends all the time? I have one friend, and we only text. Okay, go ahead. It's like, okay, I don't want to be here. I'm going to go with my friends like this and that. We just got together. Okay, go ahead. That's what you want, so swear. Your deportation has just destroyed everything. You feel like when you have your visa interview in 2020, and it doesn't work, we're just going to go back to the United States, and you're here, and we're there, and our relationship is over. You feel like this is just a game for us, and we're just here on like a mini vacation until you can have your visa interview. Like it's this plan I have all planned out in the beginning. When in reality, I don't know what the heck is going on. I don't know what's going to happen with the interview. I don't know what's going to happen with immigration law between now and then. I don't have anything like really, really stable. So if in 2020 they don't say, you know what, this is that, la, 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 for me it's not. So you can say, you know, Marcos, the relation is like that, separate. You got your babies, you got stability in there. You don't need a man, you can have 10 if you want to. And then I'm stuck here. Your visa could get denied very well, yes. But why we gotta fight about it every single day now? In heaven, I have a holy father who tells me I am never alone, who tells me just to keep on believing and to keep persevering. He has called me his own. Marcos Doesn't Live Here Anymore was written, produced, and directed by David Sutherland, with co-producer and editor Yu Ying Wu. The managing editor of Frontline is Andrew Metz. The executive producer of Frontline is Rainey aronson tells me To order Marcos Doesn't Live Here Anymore on DVD, visit Shop PBS or call 1-800-PLAY-PBS. This program is also available on Amazon Prime Video. Yo tengo un Cristo que me ama, que es lleno de pureza y perdón. Este que renueva tu vida, no importando tu raza, posición ni Ese que renueva tu vida, no importando tu raza, posición ni color. Major support for Frontline, ITVS, and Latino Public Broadcasting is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Frontline is made possible by contributions to your PBS station from viewers like you. Thank you.
Major support is provided by the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation, committed to building a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. Additional support is provided by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism. The Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues. The John and Helen Glessner Family Trust, supporting trustworthy journalism that informs and inspires. The Heising Simons Foundation, unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. And by the Frontline Journalism Fund, with major support from John and Joanne Hagler. Major support for Frontline is provided by the Ford Foundation, working with visionaries on the front lines of social change worldwide. And for this program, by its Just Films initiative. You're watching PBS.